This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your seven home of the black and gold SNR. Steelers Blitz on a Monday. A reminder, we are in our off-season schedule now. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That's when you can find us here on the Blitz. You can always get us in podcast form wherever you get your podcasts. Steelers Blitz. Subscribe, like, download, comment. All tell that a friend good to stuff. tell a friend. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell their auntie as well. And your and, uncle now. You know, help Moats and I get rich off a of podcast ad revenue. Well, you know, one, help one of us get rich off of podcast ad hey, revenue. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> to Wait the, a minute. To the phone lines we go. And speaking of podcasts, he is the host of the Locked On Steelers podcast. You better be locked on there every single day with Chris Carter. You also see him on WPXI. Hear him on SNR here, DK Pittsburgh Sports. He's here. He's there. He's every bleeping where. Chris Carter, what's up, cousin? What's up, fellas? How how we doing? It's glad to have Amigos back. Mama! <laughs> Mama! There he go. <laughs> school, school. Man, AFC, NFC Championship Games this weekend, man. Uh, I guess we'll start with the AFC one. What were your thoughts on the game, man? You know, did you like to see the whole Burrow situation? Or, you know, where you are hoping for the Chiefs to do what the Chiefs always do? I, uh, most... I said, I've said this leading into this game. I did not understand the cadre of Steelers fans who were like, yeah, go, go Bengals. We love the Bengals. And I'm like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> like, like, those guys hate you. They literally want you, want you to burn in an in, in everlasting hellfire. Like, Did you ever listen to Bengals fans talk about the Steelers? I mean, literally, when Ben Roethlisberger was hurt in that playoff game, they hit him with trash. <laughs> we they were just talking them. about that. Like I, I just I don't understand Steelers fans. And I guess they're in the they're living in the moment of we gotta hate the team that's been the best team, and that's the, that's the Chiefs. But I mean, like the Chiefs never did nothing to you other than beat you. <laughs> like, like being good is one thing. Like like back in the day, like the Patriots being just good was was fine. But to me, what made the Patriots worse was when you found out they were cheating, and then they were like, eh, who cares? We'll keep doing it. And then and then you know it was kind of brushed under the rug, and it was obvious that the team did like the league didn't want to. You know, didn't want to like you know push down their gold their golden team. Yeah. But you know, with with the Bengals, it's like you know I, I get it. Joe Burrow is cool. He's smooth. He's cool, he's cool under pressure. And there's, there's a lot of likable things about that. And I'm not saying that you can't like that guy, but I just found it very bizarre that Steelers fans were. So there, there were so many Steelers fans who were like it. I mean, it's funny. A lot of the Steelers fans who live in Cincinnati or live around Bengals fans. They're like, listen, you guys understand, they would not reciprocate that. Every time the Steelers have been in the playoffs, they have booed them, they have cheered them, their injuries, they've cheered their losses, and it's just like, it's, it's just, it was bizarre to me. But as for the game modes, you know, I, I thought that the Bengals did what they've done all season, which is when other teams are making colossal mistakes, they're there to pounce on them, and I think that that's been the story of their season and their run to the Super Bowl. They've been opportunistic because you saw in the game when the Chiefs were doing what they wanted to do, when they were executing, it was no problem. But when that second half hit, I mean, again, all 22 footage, guys were open. But it just seemed like the idea that that the Bengals were only rushing three just baffled Patrick Mahomes. And he just looked – even when guys were wide open downfield, he he couldn't find them or he didn't feel confident enough to throw them. And uh, that was an interesting game plan that worked out in their favor. And that was the most shook I think I've seen Patrick Mahomes look in a big game. 
Chris, you know, the Bengals go from being the team that, that the, I think the majority of, of football people picked to finish last in the division, now AFC champions and in the Super Bowl. And, and obviously, Joe Burrow, you know, Mr. Get the Gat, Mr. Cigar, he is at the forefront of that conversation. As Mr. Get the Gat, Get the Gat, Get the Gat, Get the Gat. Uh, he's at the forefront of that conversation, as he should be. Um, but I tell you what, I, I, a big part of it is that Bengals defense really from the second half of the season on has improved week by week by week. And for a defense that doesn't really, uh, yeah, you know, I guess maybe maybe Jesse Bates aside, like doesn't really have any household superstar names. Um, I think that they're not quite getting the props that they deserve in this run for Cincinnati as well, too. No, no, I agree. I mean, I think Trey Hendrickson, the guy, the guy that was bringing heat off the edge, uh, that's, I think that's the big thing is there's no huge names in that defense. Like you said, Jesse Bates is the main guy. I, I do think Mike Hilton is a good blue piece in the middle of that defense. You saw him making – I don't think they're in this, in the, in this game the, uh, with, without his, the plays that he made uh, earlier in the playoffs um, to, change, to change things around. Uh, but you know, but, you know, I just they're they're a team that again they've been opportunistic. They they're not a dominant defense. They're not a dominant offense. They're a team that hey, if you give us the opportunity, we're going to you know we're, we're going to be able to hit you with several different weapons. And something that's really worked out in their favor is having a balanced attack with Joe Mixon for whenever you want to you know run the ball. You got an athlete who's explosive and who's strong, who's fast. And if you, and if you're too worried about this offensive passing game with Joe Burrow. Uh, having three, you know, really good wide receivers with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and of course Tyler Boy out of Clareton, you know, that's a lot. That's a lot of things to consider, and I, I think that's something that people are overlooking when you look at how this how this team is built. Like you said, this isn't a team that's going to be based off of stardom. It's going to be, it, it, you know, it's based off of, you know, I think having a lot of talent in different places and how they fit together. But I, I think it's also interesting. I'd like to get both of your opinions on this. We keep hearing. Oh, the Steelers are so far from this. Oh, the Steelers are so far from that. But you know, that people would have said the same thing about the Chiefs the last last year going into this year, and then here we are acting like like oh, you know, it's it's so shocking that the Bengals beat the Chiefs, and I didn't think the Chiefs are going to win, but I was not like super shocked by it because this is the NFL. Things change so quickly in the NFL. You, you one minute you think you're a superstar team destined to run the next four Super Bowls. Next year, you're picking high up in the draft, and it, it, things can turn on a dime. I, I just wonder, do, are you guys on this train that the Bengals are out to dominate everything for the next decade or whatever? Because I, I'm sitting here thinking they're an example of how quickly uh, teams that are down on their luck can turn things around. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Um, Obviously, in the NFL, yeah, it could change around extremely fast. What, they were two wins, four wins past two yeah. years, mm-hmm. and now they're going to the Super Bowl. I mean – Two draft classes essentially flipped. They had, what, the first pick uh, two years ago and, and then the then fifth, the fifth pick? pick? Yeah. yeah. So it took essentially that to change it. But, yeah, I'm with you, man. It doesn't take, you know, something crazy to change your fortune. It just takes you executing the right way in the draft and through free agency, and they've mm-hmm. done that. I mean, you bring in a guy like Mike Kilton, like you said, what does that do? Number one, you, you know, take talent away from one of your division foes, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then you upgrade yourself at a position of need, a, a position that's a premium in the NFL. So, yeah, man, I could definitely see how they're doing this. And I'm with you. I wasn't surprised either, unfortunately, watching the Bengals win. But I did want to change. Oh, actually, just, you, just you, real you quick. answer your suit. Yeah, I, hey. I, I, yeah, I don't ever buy that because, I mean, guys, we were just having this same conversation three, four years ago about the mm-hmm. Chiefs. Oh, yeah. the, the Chiefs are about to, oh, my goodness, look at the Chiefs. And you guys both know 
I worked in Philadelphia for the Eagles flagship for three years. When the Eagles won that Super Bowl with, you know, with Nick Foles coming in and this team still goes, oh, the Eagles are about to dominate. Like every football fan base does that. It is such a year to year game. Losing a coach can be a, a, a big thing. You know, an injury to a quarterback or a key contributor can be a big thing. Like, don't get me wrong. I think the Bengals are here to stay. I don't think they're going to go back to winning, you know, picking in the top five. Correct. But it's also we no. do this we do this all the time in sports, man. When there's a good young team, oh my goodness, these guys are about to dominate for the next decade, and then three, four years later, yeah, they're still good, but other teams emerge as well. Exactly. That's that's where that's where I'm at with this. And, and I also think in the same play, in the same weekend, you saw a formula for the Steelers that, that, that could work for them getting back into competition because a lot of people are saying, oh, the Steelers are doomed if they don't get if they don't get an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson or a superstar quarterback. But I mean, go look at Jimmy Garoppolo with the Niners. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude was, was was skipping wide receiver screen passes, but that team was three points away from going to the Super Bowl. Again, not, not, not going, yeah. going again, again to the Super Bowl with Jimmy G. Yeah. Uh, two times in three years it would have been. Yeah. And either way, it's two times in three years they've been to the NFC Championship. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it, it, it's some crazy notion that if the Steelers spent their money this year on shoring up the offensive line and made sure that their money and draft picks were built into making sure that the run game was really solid and that the defense was, was at a truly elite level like it was two years ago and even through most of last season before their injuries hit, caught up with them, I, I really think that that team, if they have a de- just a decent enough German quarterback – who could just make the just have an arm enough to hit the ball down the field and be mobile enough to make people think, hey, that guy could run the ball. This, this team could be right in contention next year, and all of a sudden everyone's looking around like, wait a second, when did that happen? Now, what you just brought up, you said uh, them being able to do this next year. Um, actually, this transitions to the next question I want to ask you. Um, obviously, with the news now being official about Kevin Colbert retiring after the NFL draft, how important is it to you then to make sure that they bring in a guy that can find that type of talent, that can find that type of quarterback or that one piece this offseason compared to, you know, obviously having to wait longer down the line with Cobert taking it up into the draft. So I think it's very important that they, that they do it. They keep it. They keep it in flux with what the, the I think the path that they've been on, um, because I do think in general, their front office, they know what they're doing. And essentially, if you have a guy who knows what Kevin Colbert's about, if you have a guy who's been, you know, next to him in all these processes, you'd, you'd want to see either that guy take over or find someone that operates close to that guy. And that's Brandon Hunt, man. I, I really think that, you know, I know that he interviewed with the Raiders, but I, I really think that the, from, from what we understand, that, you know, he's been involved, heavily involved in the draft process. He was heavily involved in a lot of these trades. Uh, to get Minka Fitzpatrick, to get Akella Witherspoon, to push the Steelers, to help them change things. And I think that he's ready to assume that role. Now, I talked about this last week on the Locked On Steelers podcast. You know, I think that this is the year where you have opportunities in this, in this first round with this draft class to address the offensive line with a serious player. Or if you don't get the – if the offensive line is, is run through, it is very likely, you know, with, all the, with the picks that will be in front of the Steelers, that if the offensive line is taken all up, you're going to get a really good defensive player to be able to pick because there's just there's too many talented guys across the board for you to not be able to address one group or the other. And if the Steelers find themselves in that position, I, I think that they can put themselves in a spot where instead of you know reaching you know trading up to get Kenny Pickett, even though I, I'm a big advocate of <laughs> Kenny Pickett, um, uh, but instead of trading up to go get that, build your roster, build, you know you know solidify your roster because. 
you know, a lot of people over the weekend, I'm sure you guys saw the same thing. They were tweeting out videos from Ben Roethlisberger's rookie year and all that stuff. You know what that rookie year had? A really developed roster with a good offensive line and a really good defense. And, mm-hmm. and Ben Roethlisberger, as a rookie, just had to come in and do just enough to, to make plays. And he did more than just enough, which is why they went on like a 14-game win streak with him. So um, yeah, I think that, that that is closer to the answer than selling out and getting a quarterback right away. Um, and I think that if you look at Brandon Hunt, he's going to, you know, ha- he has the playbook that Kevin Kilkover Kiel- has built over the years. He's been part of the organization. Heck, if you listen to him talk about his time with the Steelers, he has so many stories about Bill Nunn and what Bill Nunn meant for the organization. You want a guy like that, a guy that understands the legacy of the organization, the legacy of that front office um, taken over, who, ha- who also has insight and ambition to say, hey, I want to put my fingerprints on this organization and get us going in the right direction. So uh, I think the quarterback position will be fine. Just don't, there's no need to rush it right now. I think if you, if you, if Kenny Pickett's your guy, go get him. Sure. But I think that if you build up the roster this year, you're going to be in a position next year where most likely you're going to, you're going to have a Bryce Young, a CJ Stroud. Um, you know, I like Brendan Armstrong for Virginia too. You, if, if you build up the roster this year and you get hits across the board and do really well in free agency, then next year you're like, you know what? We don't have as many holes in the roster now. Let's go trade up and use some of these extra draft picks to go get the quarterback that we really want. Yeah, and maybe even next year, instead of picking at 20, you know, you don't fall off a cliff, but maybe you're picking at 13 or 14 instead, and that makes it easier to go get into the top 10. Chris, I am with you exactly. I think that's the formula. That's the blueprint that I would follow. Uh, Motsi asked you about the GM kind of, uh, you know, the transition from Kevin Colbert. So I guess I'll go same church, different pew. Uh, Keith Butler, another guy who was part of the organization for a long time uh, that is exiting stage right or left, I guess, depending on, you know, just whatever side you want to go to there. Um, This is Chris, you know, there's been a lot of conversation about continuity in the Steelers organization versus going outside and bringing new ideas, new voices, new eyeballs, right? Um, and, and I think a lot of that centered around Matt Canada last year and, and, and then into this offseason as well, too. Defensively, though, that's a different conversation for the Steelers because Terrell Austin is a, a very proven guy, has, has been a defensive coordinator in this league many times, or had a Lions defense that was second-rated in the NFL at one point. Um, do you look at the Steelers' defensive coordinator you know, opening, I guess we should say, and we know that they've interviewed some external candidates come down on that do you think it is going to be um Terrell's job and the team was just doing its due diligence or do you really think maybe you know they're looking at it as hey um we we have Mike Tomlin here he's so ingrained with the defense you know we're gonna have a new general manager maybe it is time to 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 just give this to to somebody else to alleviate some of those responsibilities on Mike Tomlin so he doesn't feel that he has to have you know, be as involved in that role. I think you get what I'm saying there. How do you see this shaking out? And, and maybe is there any timeline in your mind as well? I'm, you know, I think that most you're uniquely qualified to, to talk about what that transition of that coaching spot is like, because I believe most your first year with the Steelers was Dick LeBeau's last year. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's um, correct. And, and, and I mean, you, you saw when Dick LeBeau switched over to Butler, a lot of things, you know, kept it, kept it moving and, you really didn't stop the train of what the Steelers were trying to build with that defense. And that was when, you know, Ryan Chase here was young and they had, they had, they had you and they had Bud and they were, they were developing and they were, they had Cam and they had Stefan and they were trying to build. And you saw kind of keep that same direction with the group. I honestly, I look at this defense and I, I don't think this defense needs to break stride from the direction that it's been going. I think that it needs to shore up the run defense, but that was more a 
personnel issue with injuries and Devin Bush not being back to where he was, you know, in his first year and a half of playing in the NFL. To, to me, I, I think Terrell Austin is is a is a fine promotion, um, simply because you're, it, it's a it's a if it ain't broke, don't fix the thing. Mm-hmm. And, and when I look at the Steelers' problems on defense, they're mostly injuries, just being you know guys being hurt at the wrong time, you know situations not working out in that department. But they they're producing the most sacks in the NFL for five years in a row now. Um, and, and I think that if, if this year you invest like I think they should, I really think that. Going after a J.C. Jackson is, is realistic in, in a year like this where they're going to have a lot more cap space, um, especially after Ben Roethlisberger retires. They'll probably make some cuts and they'll probably make some restructures. You're going to be in a position to go after some stars in free agency. And if you can get a shutdown corner that can live on an island, that will bring back you know having a, a, a veteran guy on your roster who can, who can help you like that in the secondary. And then maybe you're looking at, hey, you know, you, you, if, if Tua comes back, great. If not, you use that money to go and get another guy that can really help in the middle. Um, you, you, you pair Devin Bush with a more physical guy next to him that can kind of eat up blocks and be better against the run. And, and I really think that the Steelers' defense could be in that position where, you know, you more so want a guy that doesn't change the pace of what they're doing right now. And that's where, that's where I see Terrell Austin making a lot of sense. But like you said, Wes, you know, with all the changes coming, maybe they say, hey, maybe we should, we should change things about the defense. But personally, I don't think the defensive scheme is what's, bro- what's broken about the Steelers right now. They just they need guys to be healthy. They need guys to be able to fit in. And I think that this will be the first year uh, that they've been able to, uh, without, without Roethlisberger, they'll be able to invest a whole lot more money into making sure they can actually be elite. All right, now, you know I love talking about defense. You know I love <laughs> this coordinator talk. You know I love when we get to talk about, you know, all these other high-end spots, quarterback, general manager. We know the people Most like loves talking pe- people love to hear that, but we also know <laughs> that this is Pittsburgh. And in Pittsburgh, people actually care about the offensive line coach and <laughs> with, you know, the Denver Broncos hiring Nathaniel Hackett, former coach of mine up in Buffalo, that ultimately means that he could relieve all of his staff of said duty. One coach in particular, Mike Munchak. I've heard of him before. Oh, <laughs> but I just noticed that we currently have an opening in our offensive line because Chris Morgan is the temporary <laughs> offensive line coach. So I was just wondering because, you know, all the Steelers Nation wants to know this. So I figured I'd go to ask you, pay, you know what I'm saying? So uh, how you feel about this situation? Could you see a potential Mike Munchak return? Return of the prodigal son. Or are we going to see, you know, us continue forward in this, you know, direction with Chris Morgan, who people did talk about. When he took over those last few games, the O-line did see an improvement in play. Now, we also saw some shuffling on the offensive line, but we either way saw improvement on the O-line play. But let me know your thoughts on that, though. I mean, I, I think that a Mike Munchak union would be great for both parties because uh, a lot of people were like, see, as soon as he left, they went they went terrible. But I'm like, uh, go look at those Broncos offensive <laughs> line. They, they weren't exactly doing too great over there either. Um, and, and I remember when Mike Munchak, when it was announced that he was leaving and all this other stuff, and, you know, maybe, maybe it was because of family, maybe it was, and then some people try to say it was, because, it was because he didn't like the organization. You know, if it's because of the latter or whatever, of course, this isn't, this isn't going to happen. But maybe you, you, both sides look at each other and say, hey, you know what, for whatever reason, it didn't work last time, but we know that, 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 it, 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 you know, that when, you're, when you've been in Pittsburgh, there's been success, and you've had a, you've had a good time with it. And, you know, you're, you could probably go to him and say, hey, you know what, you know, you, you, last time you came to Pittsburgh, you had a whole bunch of first-rounders and, and David DeCastro and Marquise Pouncey and, you know, really top-flight guys like Mark, Marquise Gilbert, Ron Foster, Villanueva, and those guys. 
guess what? There's going to be an investment to make sure that you have the, those kind of type of guys moving forward. So you're not walking in here with, you know, with, uh, you know, Kendrick Green starting as a rookie at center. Um, and, and maybe that seems promising to him. You know, Dick LeBeau came back to the organization after he left uh, in, in the 90s. So uh, there's, I don't, I don't rule that, that out actually most. I, I think, and I think it would be really good for the Super Bowl side. You know, as for Chris Morgan, I mean, I'm sure that there's, there's things that he brings to the table that, you know, we don't see just yet. And there's things along those lines, but, I feel like right now, especially, the Steelers need to establish a new frame of what their offensive line is going to be. They need they need to set a tone of how it's going to play out over the over the next decade. And you know, maybe you have a piece of Dan Moore. Maybe Kevin Dotson's part of it. Maybe uh, you know, Kendrick Green can, if Green can move to guard and play there. I just I don't think that he's going to be able to take up center because um, he, he just looks like the game is going way too fast for him there. But if you can, you know, maybe draft a, a real center like Tyler Lindenbaum, who plays that position very yeah. well, maybe, maybe you go sign a Teron Armstead in free agency or, or you get a Charles Cross, maybe you go off as a tackle in the first round. You do those things and you give Mike Munchak a line and you can say, hey, we will, all we want you to do is for the next few years establish that culture of what this young offensive line is going to be like because that's what Kevin Colbert set out to do in the early 2010s. I remember – when they drafted Pouncey into Castro in within three within three drafts of each other, they were like he, he's like we want these guys to be able to run like horses and and dominate the line of scrimmage. And at the time, we were like that's a joke. The Steelers have the worst offensive line in the league. Blah 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 blah. And then they became the best offensive line in the league. I, I think if you want to do that, it would help to have Mike Munchak, who's done it before. Um, if they think they have something with Chris Morgan, great. But I really think that they they should kick the tires on the Mike Munchak relationship unless there's a bridge burn that we just don't know about. It's Chris Carter with us here on the Steelers Blitz. Uh, Chris, all right, you, you you mentioned Tyler Boyd, you mentioned Kenny Pickett. All right, I'm gonna let you go yeah. for the I'm gonna let you go for the trifecta here. Uh-oh. All right, oh, Penn Hills native Aaron Donald is in yeah. the Super Bowl once again. And Moats and I were talking about this before we went on air. Rams win the Super Bowl. Aaron Donald gets that kind of final hardware piece of his Infinity Gauntlet, right? I mean, he's yeah. he's he's going to – it's going to be like him and Lawrence Taylor that people talk about. Is, and, and Reggie White, maybe, is like the greatest defensive players of all time. He is – he's just a ring away from being in that conversation. I mean, he kind of already is. Yeah, but if he gets if he it. gets the Super Bowl, I mean, it's 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 game over, right? He's he's in that – he's on that short list of best two or three or four defensive players in the history of the game. Absolutely. I think he already is. I said this a couple of years ago. It's crazy to think that Pittsburgh may, has claimed – the two greatest defensive tackles in the history of, of football. Mean Joe. Aaron Donald yeah. and yeah. Mean Joe yeah. Green. Uh, and and that, that's, I mean, that's, again, that, that's, that's crazy to think about your city having that kind of talent come around it, whether it's professional, collegiate, or local. Uh, but he certainly earned it. I mean, it, it, it's different than, you know, sometimes guys flare up, they have a couple hot seasons, and then people adjust to them, and then they, they, they fall away. You know, there's guys that, you know, like Javon Curse was a freak. And they yeah. called him the freak, and he was, he was a ridiculous athlete. But eventually, he wasn't this, this ultimate producer that people thought he might become throughout his entire career. Aaron Donald, he'll have double-teamed this man. They've triple-teamed this man. They've quadruple-teamed this man. <laughs> They've done everything to negate him to try to say, hey, we're going to take him out of the game, and you just can't find a way to do it unless you say, hey, quarterback, get the ball out of your hands in two seconds or that guy's coming to destroy <laughs> you. That's, that's what I see Aaron Donald's legacy being, that everyone has tried something. To, to, to limit him. And there's times you could do it for a game. 
but in a season, he is going to come, he's going to crush you, and he's going to be a problem. Even you saw him at Niners game. He wasn't prolific all game long. He only had three tackles. He did about that pass and, you know, a huge moment for the, for the Rams at the end of the game. Yep. But, you know, you saw that part of that was the game plan. They, were, they did not want to put Jimmy Garoppolo in a situation where he was going to have to compete against the athleticism of Aaron, of Aaron Donald while holding on to the ball. So, you know, I, I definitely put him in that conversation with the Reggie White. You know, and it's crazy. We just got off of talking about J.J. Watt. Yeah. With the, I think he was three-time defensive player of the year. Um, and now Donald's right in that conversation. Uh, you know, it, it, it's remarkable. And, and he's remarkable. I think he's a, he's a great story. All accounts. me. And think about this, two fellas. About whew, six months ago, however long it was in the summer, remember when a guy tried to charge Aaron Donald with assault at a, at a club, yes, at a nightclub. And, yeah. and then the security tape showed Aaron Donald not only didn't beat him up, but he saved him from yeah. the people who were beating him up. And it's like, imagine that being that. your year. You go from being accused of assault, being proven to not only not be the, you know, committing assault, but to save the person who was, and then you're on your way to the Super Bowl. I mean, Aaron Donald, one heck of a story. Yeah, without a doubt. That no. was crazy. I forgot all about That's, that. I forgot all about season. that, too. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's a freak. He's on that short list. Mean Joe Green, Reggie White, Lawrence Taylor, uh, man, and and I tell you what, he gets that ring, and it's 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 going to be over the top in that regard. All right, Chris, real quick before we let you go, Tom Brady actually retired or no? Uh, I hate this question. <laughs> I I say I say he's actually retired. I think he's done enough. I think he was he's just upset that the, the story broke his camp. Uh, I would not put it past Tom Brady to see this happen and be like, you know what, you wanted to say this. Take this. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take it to you. Also, uh, you, you think of all the accomplishments Tom Brady's had in his career, right? All the playoff wins, seven Super Bowl rings, all the passing records. What's the one thing that he nor anybody has ever done? Make Adam look stupid. <laughs> now he's saying, "I can do that. I can be you know, added to my legacy." Who's passed <sighs> that? In the end? Nobody else. So, uh, <laughs> but in all seriousness, I, I think Tom. I think Tom's done. It was just a matter of the message that he didn't want it to get out at that time. He wants it to get out later. Um, and, uh, you know, and I, I know that some people are like, oh, we might be holding up because his contract, whatever, you know, they can, whenever you retire, they can decide when, when they can make the official date of when you retire or when you're cut, right. when, you know, whenever they want it to be. So that actually has no bearing on it. I think it's, he's just upset it broke out from his camp too early. Well, sorry, Tommy boy. I mean, you can't always get what you want. Everything can't be perfect. You can't have the billionaire wife and the seven rings and the perfect retirement announcement. Sorry about it. Tough luck. Chris, you're the best, buddy. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, folks, subscribe to the Locked on Steelers podcast. If you're a Steelers junkie and you're not subscribed to Chris's podcast, well, guess what? You're not a Steelers junkie. What are you doing? Locked on Steelers, wherever you get your podcasts. Make it a double. Hit the Steelers blitz while you're there Boom. as well, too. Chris, thanks for your time as always, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, thanks boys. Always a pleasure. There he is, Chris Carter. Let's the go. best in the business. Let's the go. hardest working man in this town. I tell you what, it's just 27 minutes with him just flew by. I didn't realize it was 27 minutes. 27 minutes. Holy we gotta cow. Go to, we got to go to break. That, guy, that guy's great. Chris Carter, uh, again, show him some some love. Um, we don't we don't ask you to do that with other people very often, so when we do, you know that means we like them too. Yes. Show those guys some love. If you're hanging on the phone lines right now, we've got two of you that have been holding on since the beginning of the show. I promise I'm going to get to you here in just a minute on the other side when we go to break. We'll hit the phone lines. We'll hit your reaction on Twitter as well, too, when we come back and close out the show on the other side. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR.